We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Kind of reminds me of the guy who preached for an hour and a half and afterwards he said to his mentor, what would you think? And the guy said, well, it doesn't have to be everlasting to be eternal. Just remember that. It's good stuff. Take your Bibles today and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. We're taking verses 1 through 3 as our text. And I'll tell you now, we're not going to make it through the entire outline that's on the back of your CHC today. We're going to split this into two messages. But we are going to get through as much as we can this morning, being conscious of your time and uh, your ability to receive and to listen. Kind of reminds me, uh, as I'm thinking about the resurrection, thinking about the changes that Jesus made to all of eternity, to the world from that day forward, reminds me of the Jewish father that when his son turned 18, he sent him to Israel for a year because he wanted him to be immersed in the culture. He wanted him to be immersed in the religion. He wanted him to understand all things Judaism. He came back after a year and he said to his father, Dad, I love the year I spent in Israel, but you need to know I converted to Christianity. His dad was distraught. He couldn't believe it. So he talked to his best friend. And he said, my son, I sent him to Israel for a year. And when he came back, he told me he converted to Christianity. His friend said, listen, I did the same thing with my son. He came back after a year and he too had converted to Christianity. What shall we do? They said, we need to pray about this. So they went and they began to pray. And as they prayed, this is what God said to them. Yeah, I sent my son to Israel too. Some of you will get that in three days. Acts chapter 1, I want to talk to you this morning about 40 amazing days. The 40 days that occurred after the resurrection and prior to the ascension of Jesus Christ back into heaven. Something we don't hear much about, but powerful things happened in those 40 days. Things that make a difference for you and me when we understand them, absorb them, and apply them into our hearts and into our lives. By the way, if you want an in-depth study of the book of Acts, be here Sunday morning at 9 o'clock over in room 103. Doug Apple is teaching a great study. Doug, you're standing, sitting right back in the back. Stand up. Everybody see Doug back there. He's a great teacher of the Word of God. If you'll come on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, he's going to open the book and the Word becomes life. You know what it takes to be a good teacher? You have to be a good student. And Doug's a great student of the Word of God, and he imparts eternal wisdom into your heart and life every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. You have to be at work earlier than that, so come to church at 9 on Sunday morning and be a part of this great class. Forty amazing days, Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 3. Luke writes, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. You need to write those two words or underline those two words, infallible proofs. By many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Father, we pray now that you would bless your word, bless the ministry of your word, open our hearts and our ears to understand and receive, and allow your Holy Spirit to speak directly to each one of us today. Change our lives by the fact Jesus died and rose again from the dead. Let the resurrection be real to each one of us in this room today. In his name I ask it. Amen. This wasn't the first appearance of Jesus Christ. You realize that, right? 
We can read it in Luke, we can read it in John, we can read it in Mark and Matthew. Each one of the gospel writers record of his appearances after the resurrection. However, this is the first time that we see the period of time between the resurrection and the ascension. No other place in the scripture is it recorded that for 40 days, Jesus was with the disciples, teaching them, eating with them, being with them, pouring himself into them. Actually, the first appearance of Jesus after his resurrection occurred on the road to Emmaus, where two disciples, discouraged, downtrodden, trying to figure out what everything meant, were suddenly joined by a third man. And it was Jesus. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what the scripture said concerning himself. That must have been some kind of a sermon, don't you think? That must have been some kind of a seminar in biblical truth. We understand that the word or the number 40 has significance in scripture. It's in your outline and you can read it over and consider it with me. Every time you see the number 40 in the scripture, pay attention. Because it means God is getting ready to do something great and mighty. Think about it. 40 days and 40 nights the rain fell while Noah was in the ark. Forty days Moses spent on Mount Sinai in the presence of God receiving the law. The twelve spies were sent into Canaan to spy out the land for forty days. A generation of Israelites, because of their unbelief in God's ability, wandered in the wilderness for forty years. Jonah warned Nineveh of coming destruction in forty days. Jesus spent forty days at the beginning of his ministry... Fasting and praying and then was tempted by the enemy. And at the end of his earthly ministry, he spent 40 days pouring his life into those disciples. So when we see 40, we recognize it's associated with God's salvation and God's deliverance. That God's about to do something wonderful, mighty, powerful, new in someone's life when you see that number 40. Pay attention when you see it. So in our text this morning, Christ has appeared to the disciples. It's not the first time, but it's one of many times. And he comes back after rising from the dead to begin to instruct them and disciple them and teach them and help them understand the reality that he is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins, he was buried in a borrowed grave, on the third day he rose again from the dead, and he is now alive forevermore. He wanted them to understand that reality. And he began to pour into them and look at the text that tells us what he talked about. It tells us that he presented himself alive after his suffering, verse 3, by many infallible proofs being seen by them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now we understand prior to his crucifixion, the disciples thought he had come back to establish an earthly kingdom. While he was going through that torment and pain and agony and crucifixion and death, they thought all was lost. There was no hope. Everything they had believed in and hoped for for the last three and a half years just went into the grave with Jesus. But now that he's resurrected, he came back to reinforce. He came back to illuminate. He came back to further explain the things that he had taught them in the three and a half years that he was on planet earth doing ministry. And he also came back to give them an assignment. I want you to hear this this morning. 
Because every one of us in the kingdom of God have been given an assignment. Every one of us have a responsibility. Every one of us have a role to fulfill in the kingdom of God. It's not enough. I know I say this almost every week. Maybe at some point we're going to get it. It's not enough to come in and sit in a church pew on Sunday morning. That is not your assignment. That is the demonstration of the love you have for God. Because you come into His house, you gather with those of like precious faith, and you worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But that is not your assignment. Your assignment is to be His ambassador. Your assignment is to be His witness. Your assignment is to tell someone who doesn't know how good Jesus really is. Or if the only thing you can do is sing one song, then sing, He's a good, good Father. That's who He is. That's who He is. And I'm loved by Him. That's who I am. Somebody needs to hear that message this morning. Every one of us have an assignment. And He's passing this assignment onto the apostles during these 40 days. He's bringing to light, He's shedding power through the Holy Spirit into their life on the things He's already taught them about the kingdom of God. Now think about it for just a moment. He's entrusting this to a very small group of people. He's no longer speaking to the masses on the mountainside. He's no longer seeing thousands and thousands of people following Him. This is a very small crowd. We know on the day of Pentecost there was 120 in the upper room. We know that at one time he appeared to over 500. How whatever the number is, it was a small crowd that he's entrusting this assignment to. It's an incredible burden, an incredible assignment to fall upon their shoulders. Because what is that assignment? Taking the message that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to die for the sins of the world, that He rose again on the third day, and that today He sits at the right hand of the Father, and that He gives us the power to become sons and daughters of God. That's the assignment. He gave these individuals the assignment who didn't really believe in Him when He died, who waffled and walked away, who were full of fear, who were failures. He gave them this assignment. Imagine. If they dropped the ball, we wouldn't be here today. If they didn't carry out the assignment, there would be no Christians today. What an awesome responsibility was placed into the hands of these individuals. The future of the gospel of the kingdom, the good news, is now in their hand. We say, wow, that's almost overpowering. Let me take it one step further. The future of the gospel is now in your hand. The future of the kingdom is now in your hands. It wasn't just entrusted to those few after His resurrection. It's entrusted to everyone who believes His name. To everyone who calls himself a child of God. You have been given the responsibility of carrying the kingdom with you and spreading it to those around you. So during these 40 days, what did Jesus talk about? You think he talked about how's the fishing down on the Sea of Galilee? Probably not. Do you think he talked about how's the worship going in the temple? Probably not. Do you think he talked about the state of the Roman government and their occupation of Israel? Probably not. Matter of fact, verse 3 of our text tells us he talked about the kingdom. He talked about the kingdom. I want to drive this home. In a couple of weeks, we'll finish this message up talking about the kingdom. But I want to drive it home for you this morning. 
understand when I'm telling somebody about Jesus, I'm not talking about my church. I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm talking about a whole new way of life. I'm talking about a new and a living way that transforms men from the inside out and makes us children of the Most High God. He was talking about the kingdom. Can I tell you, we spend far too much time talking about stuff that just flat doesn't matter. It's time to talk about the kingdom. I'm not here to build a church. I'm here to build the kingdom. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen, there are folks that come to these altars every Sunday. They give their lives to Jesus. A lot of them don't come back. They go to other churches. And I'm okay with that. Because it's not about Christian heritage. It's about the kingdom of God. Come on, folks. We've got to get a world, a kingdom mindset where we understand it's not about us four. And no more. We have been given assignment to build the kingdom of God. To expand the kingdom of God. When those folks were out walking at the March of Dimes walk yesterday with their CHC churches. Stand up, Diana. you got one of those on. That CHC t-shirt on. On the back it says straight out of church. No doubt somebody talked to them and asked them, what does that t-shirt mean? Now listen, if you said it means Christian Heritage Church, you and I need to talk. That's not the reason we're doing it. We're doing it to talk about the kingdom. To talk about the great I am. To talk about the one which was and is and is to come forevermore. To talk about Jesus. He talked to them about the kingdom. During that 40 days between the resurrection and his ascension, he accomplished two very important goals. And you need to write it down. It's not in your outline. Number one, he proved that he was alive. Many infallible proofs. He proved he was alive. And secondly, you need to remember this. We're just a week away from the resurrection Sunday when we celebrated it. And I guarantee you in the last seven days, some of you have went through hell. Some of you have fought the devil. Some of you have been attacked by the little horns on his head. He taught them a second thing. And that was he was preparing them for their future. Oh, come on. Every time you celebrate the resurrection, you need to understand he's prepared me for my future. He's already got it in his hand. Listen to me. The cross, the cross guarantees our forgiveness. The resurrection guarantees my future. And you need to get that in your spirit this morning. It's not because you come to church you have a future that's insured. It's because Jesus died and rose again from the dead that your future is secured in Him. He taught them. He taught them. He prepared them. Proved to them that He was alive. Prepared them for the future. So quickly, well not quickly, it's going to take a little while. But let's look at the three things that He reiterated to them. During these 40 days. Number one, Jesus proved to them he really is alive. Acts chapter 1 verse 3, put that on the screen one more time. I want you to read it again. I want you to hear this passage. I want it to be driven into your heart. It says, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Write that down if you haven't already. Underline it if you haven't already. By many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He took 40 days to remove every doubt, dispel every fear, answer every question. I'm not a ghost. I'm alive. I'm not a figment of your imagination. 
I'm alive. He took 40 days to prove to that group of individuals he really was alive. Why is that important? You should know because I've already told you. Because he gave them a kingdom assignment. He entrusted them with the good news. They were going to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If they didn't know that they knew that they knew that they knew that they knew he was alive, at some point they'd give up and walk away. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. When you're in the deep water, when the devil is coming against you, you need to come back and remind him, my Jesus has already conquered you. He died. You thought you won. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And that tells me, it doesn't matter what you throw at me. It doesn't matter what I face. I will overcome because Jesus is alive. I'm convinced that's what enabled every one of those apostles To stand firm in their faith. To not deny Christ. Do you realize that all but John the Revelator was martyred for the name of Jesus Christ? And do you realize that not one of them recanted, recounted, recanted, pardon me, went back on their belief that Jesus Christ was alive. They chose to suffer with Him and die for Him rather than refute what they knew to be truth. Oh, if you get it in your spirit that Jesus is alive, and because He's alive, I have a future, I have a hope, I have a destiny. If you'll get that deep inside of you, then it doesn't matter who stands in your face. It doesn't matter what accusation comes against you. It doesn't matter the diagnosis. It doesn't matter the problems of life. You can stand assured that I have a future because He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. He chose to show them 40 days worth of proof that He is alive. Some of the newer translations read this way. He showed them by many convincing proofs. Many convincing proofs. That comes from a Greek word that's only found in Acts 1-3. And it literally means to present your case so logically and so completely that there is no other conclusion. That's what he did using many convincing, infallible proofs. He brought to those, however many there were, the absolute assurance there's no other conclusion you can draw, but Jesus is alive. I don't say much about movies very often, but there's a great one that's out and playing right now. It's called The The Case for Christ. The story of Lee Strobel, who was an atheist, and in his search to prove Jesus wasn't real, that God didn't exist... He actually encountered truth he couldn't overcome. Oh, come on, folks. It is a historical fact. It is proven again and again. Jesus lived. Jesus died. And he rose again from the dead. And if you'll open your mind, even an iota, he will come rushing in and show you by many infallible proofs, he is alive. Anyway, I said all that to say, go see the movie. Support Christian movies when they're out and allow them to make more that just might change somebody's life. Matter of fact, if you have someone in your circle of influence that doesn't believe Jesus or doesn't live for the Lord, take them to see that movie. I'm convinced after they watch the story of Lee Strobel's life, they too will come to know the Christ you and I know and love and serve and believe that he really is alive. So they presented it in such a way, he presented it in such a way that the argument was so overwhelming There was no other conclusion that could be considered other than Jesus is alive. The King James, the New King James, the portion I read from this morning, uses the phrase many infallible proofs. 
many infallible proofs beyond a shadow of a doubt, the resurrection was certain and sure, unquestioned beyond a shadow of a doubt. And it's a testimony that would stand in court. Jesus is alive. So he came to prove to them that he really is alive. Can you think about that for just a moment? That is the most stupendous claim in all of history. That a man died and rose again from the dead, and now he lives forever. Christians believe, we believe, that he came back from the dead. Sometimes I think we absolutely forget how astounding that really is. Let me ask it this way. Any of you have seen anybody resurrected lately? Anybody here? No. We don't see that. It doesn't happen. But the proof is, the astounding fact is, Jesus died and rose again from the dead. Our familiarity with the New Testament, our familiarity with the gospel somehow dims or diminishes this truth and this fact. Jesus came back to prove to that bunch of folks that he really was alive. He was not a ghost. He was not a figment of their imagination. But he is alive. My mom passed away 15 years ago. As I was thinking about this message this week, I began thinking, what would would it be like if all of a sudden she walked in those back doors? She'd been buried for 15 years. What if she came in in the same peach suit that we buried her in? What would I do? Would I think it's real, a figment of my imagination? Well, I know I'd want to talk to her. I'd want to hear her voice to see if it really sounded like her. I know I'd want to touch her. And see if it really felt like, I'd want to watch her walk, because she had a real peculiar walk. My mom was a farm girl raised on the farm, spent her life on the farm, and the farm wasn't kind to her, so she kind of had a hitch and a giddy-up, if you know what I mean. I'd want to see her walk. Is that really my mom? And then I'd probably want to feed her something. And see if she'd eat it. Is that really my mom? Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus proved himself alive by those very things. He was among them. He spoke with them. He talked to them. He said, touch me and see, feel my wounds. He broke bread with them to prove he really was alive. He really was alive. Luke says it's an infallible proof. Something more than hearsay. Something more than rumor. We have incontrovertible evidence that Jesus is alive today. And he gives us three proofs that he's alive. First, he says that Jesus appeared to them. The Greek word for appear is the same word that we get our modern word ophthalmology from. It's talking about the eye, the study of the eye or the eyeball. They saw him. They eyeballed him is what he was really saying in that verse. They saw him with their own eyes. They identified him as Jesus. They understood this really was him. So what does that tell me? It tells me that with the resurrection, there's going to be some similarities in you and me. And that's good news, amen? Actually, it's bad news for some of us because I wanted to come back 25, beautiful, and young. Not going to happen, is it? They recognized him. They all eyeballed him. Number two, he spoke with them. He talked with them about the kingdom of God and prepared them for his certain departure in 40 days. And number three, he ate with them. Luke 24 tells us that when he appeared to the disciples in Jerusalem, they were afraid. They thought he was a ghost, a spirit. He invited them at that point, and you can read it in Luke 24, to examine his wounds, to touch his hands, to put their hand in his side, to ascertain for themselves with their physical senses 
that He really is alive. And what happens is always just a little bit humorous when you consider it. I mean, how do you prove to someone that you've come back from the dead? If, you've ever find, if you ever find yourself in that situation, here's a tip. This is what Jesus did. Have something to eat. Ghosts don't eat Big Macs. Come on. He said, bring me something to eat. They gave him a broiled fish and he ate it with them. Luke 24, 43, 43. So here's three truths about the resurrection. They're in your notes. Remember them. Put them, put them into your heart and into your spirit this morning. The resurrection is the bedrock of our faith. The resurrection is the answer to our doubts. The resurrection is the reason for our hope. Someone said not recently, well, I'd like to believe it, but I've never seen it, so I'm not sure I can. Have you ever seen gravity? Why don't you just jump up here, come up here on the stage. Daniel, you're going to help me this morning. He's able to do this. Come on, Daniel. Have you ever seen gravity? No, we haven't seen gravity, but we've seen the effects of gravity. You can do this. I can't do it anymore. My knees are too worn out. Jump to the floor right now. What's going to happen when he jumps off? He's going to go down, isn't he? Yeah. He didn't stay in the air. He fell, and that's because of gravity. I've never seen gravity, but I've seen the effects of gravity right there. It happens all the time. I had a good friend years ago who was literally uh, a rocket scientist, an aerospace engineer. And I would ask him questions that I didn't understand because that's way above my pay grade and intellect level. And he would explain things to me. And even though he explained it, I didn't understand it. But yet he told me, you know, rocket science works because you've seen the ships going up in the air. Hear me, folks. You may not understand it, but we see the evidence of a resurrected Christ all around us. You say, I don't get it. Well, look around. That's why you're here today. Because he is no longer dead. He is risen and is alive forevermore. That evidence is all around you by many infallible proofs. All that we believe in is wrapped in the empty tomb. In the words of William Barclay, Jesus is still alive. He is not the one who was, he is the one who is. When I speak of my mom, I speak in the past tense because she's passed away. But when I speak of Jesus Christ, I speak in the present tense because He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. The resurrection proves He is alive. And because He's alive, we have a message worth sharing. We have good news worth proclaiming. I can walk into a situation... Where a couple is about to break up and the man is caught between the pressure of work and the pressure of home. And the woman is bored with her life and she's thinking about an affair. And I can tell him, I've got new, good news for you today. You don't have to go down that road because Jesus is alive. He renews, he restores, he heals, he delivers, he's alive. I can say to that student, you don't have to feel the pressure of your peers to lower your standards. You can stand. You can be a believer. You can live for Christ because Jesus is alive. We need to understand we have confidence in the message we proclaim because Jesus is alive. He proved himself and he proved his life to his disciples by being with them, by talking to them. By breaking bread with them, by telling them about the kingdom, he proved to them he was alive. Here's the application. If you begin to wonder, is this thing for real? 
If you begin to question, is he really alive? If you begin to say, does it really work for me in the 21st century? Then you need to come back to the empty tomb. You need to come back to the bedrock of our faith that Jesus is no longer dead, but he has risen from the dead. And if he's risen from the dead, then he gives you hope and he gives you future. If he's risen from the dead, I can square my shoulders and throw back my head and say, devil, you may think you're bad, but you've never met my big brother who's always got my back. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is alive. And then he taught him we're going to live beyond, death is not the end. He taught him, number two, death is not the end. For just a moment, stand back and think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. Think about all those stories compiled and what it tells us about that period, that 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. You see, we see many scenes played out. But when you read them and put them together into a portrait... They show us a really interesting picture. Think about it. He encouraged the weeping Mary at the graveyard. He reached out and he restored Peter, who had denied him three times. He put his hands out to doubting Thomas and reassured him, I really am the Christ, the Son of the living God. He met the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, told them all the scripture had to say about himself. And then you can realize he met the discouraged disciples when they were locked in a room fearing for their very life. He suddenly appeared and had fish with them, ate with them. He met the disciples on a mountain in Galilee. He cooked breakfast for the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Each episode carries its own message. But when you put them together, we see the picture of who Jesus really is after his resurrection. And what it tells us, is it's the same Jesus. He has the same heart for people. The same compassion for the hurting and the broken. He desires to renew and to restore. He desires to mend that which has been destroyed. What it tells us is that death did not destroy who he was. Death did not destroy his personality. He said the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the darkness. Can I tell you, with the resurrection, when he rose again, he dealt a death blow to the kingdom of darkness. And today we can say we will not lose. We always win because God is on our side. Death did not destroy his personality. It did not render him somehow unrecognizable. But in those 40 days... That group of people saw the same Jesus that they had seen for three and a half years. They experienced the same love and care and compassion and concern that they'd experienced day after day after day as they walked with Him. Perhaps we underestimate the value of this point because we've never seen anybody who came back from the dead. But it would be almost impossible to imagine that they wouldn't somehow be changed by that experience. But when Jesus appeared to the disciples, he showed himself to be the same guy. The same loving, caring, tender Savior, Teacher, Messiah that they had chosen to follow. And it tells us every one of us will live beyond the grave. You see, there's a lot of folks today that think that my life is going to be 70, 80, 90 years and then that's it. They're going to put me in the ground and I'll be pushing up daisies forever. I've got news for you. 
every one of us, whether we know Christ or we do not know Christ, will live beyond the grave. It's not a question of if you will live beyond the grave. It's a question of how you will live beyond the grave. You see, and with Jesus' resurrection, He assures us when we believe in Him, we're going to have life and that more abundantly. We're going to be walking on streets of gold. He's already got a castle built with my name on it and your name on it. He's going to welcome us home. He's going to throw wide His arms and say, Come on, death did not defeat you. Just like it did not defeat me. We understand life transcends the grave because Jesus died and rose again from the dead. His personality survived that transition. And you need to understand, you and I also are going to survive that transition. That one day, if the Lord tarries, every one of us will make that journey from this life to eternal life. And the only thing that ensures us peace in that moment is the knowledge that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again from the dead. And if He died and was buried and rose again from the dead, then we can borrow the words of the Apostle Paul, we too are going to rise. How did he say it? He said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I believe it was, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, there is a promise of eternal life in those 40 days. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. 40 most amazing days recorded in human history. 40 most amazing days when Jesus proved Himself by many infallible proofs that he was no longer dead, but he was alive. Forty amazing days that have the potential and the power to transform every one of us. Forty amazing days where he gave assignments to that group of believers. And that group of believers took their assignment and they went into the uttermost parts of the world. They took the good news, the gospel, to those who had never heard. See, as believers in this room this morning... We too have an assignment. And that assignment is to take the good news to those who have never heard. I'm talking to believers this morning. I'm talking to those of you who claim Him as your Lord and Savior. I'm talking to those of you who supposedly live for Him and serve Him. It's time, my friend, to pick up your assignment. It's time, my friend, to shed off your cloak It's time to shed off that hindrance of backwardness or shyness when it comes to talking about Him. Do you understand this morning? The Lord we serve died, was buried, and rose again from the dead. That's astounding. That's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's also true. And that's the message you have been assigned to carry to those who don't know Him. So right now I'm talking to believers. You're here this morning. And by raising your hand, you say from this moment on, I'm going to allow those 40 amazing days, what happened in the disciples, to happen in me as well. I'm going to allow the infallible proofs of the resurrection to take a root so deep in my heart that I cannot be silent. I cannot stand by. I cannot sit by while people are dying and going to a devil's hell. i got to say something. 
I've got to tell him he is alive. That's you. I'm talking to you. Just slip your hand up across this room. Pray for me. That's my, that's my desire. I'm going to accept my assignment. If you're going to accept that assignment, lift both hands and surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, now fill this group with the power of the Holy Ghost. Fill them with the confidence of the Spirit of the living God. Make them bold. Make them witnesses. God, let them go in your power. Let them go believing the infallible proofs are there that Jesus Christ is alive and through his life we bring life to those around us Lord use these individuals as evangelists set them on fire and let them burn for you today that men and women might be turned to you God that souls might be converted that lives might be changed that destinies might be altered Make the workplace an altar. Make our homes an altar. Make our neighborhoods an altar. Make our vehicles an altar. Make Publix and Starbucks an altar. Where we clearly and openly and completely declare a risen Christ. And lives are changed. In the workplace. In the home. In the neighborhood. At the grocery store, at the gas station, at the coffee shop, at the gym, lives are revolutionized. Because somebody in this room this morning said, I will no longer be silent. My Jesus is alive. My Jesus is alive. And it's the best news anyone could ever hear. Empower your believers. As you did on the day of Pentecost, Spirit of God, fall on us this morning. Fall on us this morning. And let that dunamis power flow into our lives, making us witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let this 40-minute sermon be like 40 days spent with Jesus that sets us on fire and enables us to bring change into our world. I pray it in your name. I pray it in your name. Believers, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the power of the Spirit of God. Be filled with boldness and assurance and confidence. And go in the power of His might. Go in the power of His might. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.